I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Slides it, baseline to Porter. Here he comes. Tries to spin it up and in, and he does. Porter. He's going to try to light it up from distance, and he does. Oh, Porter is feeling it. You're listening to The Dig. What is up, Nuggets fans? Welcome to The Dig. I'm your host, Nick. I'm joined by my co-host, Jeremy. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing pretty well. And by the, the tone of your what is up, Nuggets fans, I'd say you just got done watching the game. Yeah, the Pacers game just ended where nothing of significance happened except for <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. becoming the best player in the NBA. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you watched that or not. He just couldn't miss. I couldn't believe it. It was like the ball could leave his hands in the weirdest way where it's going like towards the stands and somehow <laughs> curve right back into the hoop. Yeah, the uh, jump step back, steps to the side three-pointer oh. shot was, oh. uh, as our uh, colleague Dan pointed out, already the most ridiculous point- step back three-point shot ever in Nuggets history. I was about to point that out too. I saw that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, that he posted that. Check out at Minuteman Dan if you don't already follow him on Twitter. Um, yeah, he he was like he was almost halfway to the 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 post, and he took one step and he was behind the three point line. It was crazy. It's totally insane. When he gets it all rolling, he's gonna be completely unstoppable. I mean, we we saw that tonight. Um, if he's hitting. He is unguardable. Uh, he was a, a force in the paint, too. I mean, it wasn't just that he was dropping, you know, threes like he just got in the zone from outside or something like that. He was he was all over the place. He was he was getting uh, rebounds, hustle plays. He was hitting a lot of tough shots in the paint over uh, defenders um, with guys guarding him. So it wasn't just it wasn't just wide open stuff. It wasn't easy stuff. It was. You know, in big shots in the heat of a game against a really good team. I don't, we don't get to see the Pacers uh, too often. Um, and for people that are, haven't been following the, the Eastern Conference real closely, the Pacers have been really good this year, uh, e- even despite some injuries. Oladipo's been out, and they've still been yeah, really solid. Turner, so the- Turner, Turner is probably their, you know, back and forth with Sabonis, their second best player. Um, a perennial uh, defensive player of the year candidate so yeah and um, this is a really good team at home too they'd only lost three games at home coming into tonight so kind of similar to the the nuggets and how difficult they are to beat in their place so for mpj to have the kind of game he did against quality competition in a in a game that mattered we finally got to see him play some in the third and fourth quarter when the game was on the line uh which i think right. has been a, you know frustrating uh, to see the last the last couple of weeks as he's been getting more playing time, but has mostly been limited to the first half. Um, I, he you know, he really gets credit for the win tonight. Yeah, is this the first? To me, it feels like the first crunch time minutes where 
Mike Porter was being, uh, I like calling him Mike. Um, oh, I see that. I, yeah. I think, I think Marlo called him Mike or something like that. And I was like <laughs> this whole time, you know, we, I, I've been flipping back and forth between MPJ and Michael Porter Jr. But how about that? Just that little informal Mike, Mike Porter. Um, it, the first, it, it felt like the first time that he was, he's played a little bit with uh, the starters. Obviously he started a game, but um, this is the first time that it felt like everybody around him, including Malone was relying on him for important points for points that would swing a game that they cared about. And, and so it, it, you know, it felt good, not only from that kind of um, confidence standpoint that he's in during crunch time, but then also to see him deliver in, in just the most epic way that he could have was just the most easily one of the top three games of the season. And I don't even know, like a contender for already my favorite game of the season. The theme. Um, in case we didn't make it clear already, the theme for the show is the one about MPJ. Um, he's going to dominate our discussion tonight as he's been dominating the last uh, week or two as he's gotten more playing time uh, because he's just so darn exciting. Wouldn't you say? Well put. That just <laughs> cut through to my soul right there. Yeah. So darn exciting. I agree with you. It seemed like Malone finally just trusted him to play a little bit. And we got amazing results. I mean, I, I've i been you know, increasingly frustrated by how quickly Malone has taken him out of games. Um, and how little he's relied on him in the second half specifically and, and really in games where they really could have used some offense that Houston game, for example, where he just insisted on playing Tory Craig. And I know we, you know, we had talked about Craig being the, the Westbrook whisperer um, in the past, <laughs> uh, but that was not happening in that game. Um, they needed, they needed offense uh, badly and Craig couldn't stop fouling, but he wasn't doing anybody any good on defense anyways. Right. I, in that game, I wasn't expecting Harden to play. So to me, it made total sense to have Tory Craig start off and just treat it like an old OKC game. But <laughs> obviously, we know it didn't go that way, and and it would have been nice to see Malone adapt to it. Um, but whatever, we, we've obviously my heart has moved on, as Celine Dion so well <laughs> prophesied. My heart went, has moved on, and I'm I'm happy with where we're at right now. Um, it makes me want to ask you some questions about your thoughts on on Mike. Yeah. But uh, but I know our entire show is nothing but uh, questions about him. So um, we're going to get into it in a well, more poignant way. Yeah. And just a, a little bit of an overview here from the last four games, he's shooting 75 percent from the field and 50 percent from three. Um, that's good for 15 and a half points a game and four and a half rebounds in just under 20 minutes. He's averaging 19 0.75 minutes per game. Um, so that's incredible production. I mean, when you, you look at some of the guys on this team that have a hard time scoring 10 or 12 points in 30 minutes, uh, to be able to put up 15 and 20 minutes, or like we saw tonight, you know, more than a point a minute that he was on pace for. And obviously he was, he was shooting well, but you know, I don't see any indication that he can't be an absolutely elite offensive player moving forward. Like, I don't, I don't see any reason that, that, that anything is going to hold him back. He has all of the shots that he needs and the skills in the bag um, to be a lead on offense. It's really just a question of defense. So. 
And almost an asterisk to to what you just said about his scoring uh, in in the short amount of minutes that he's had is that, at least to me, it felt like before, it, 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 it almost felt like the other guys were keeping the ball away from him. Like Morris and Plumlee, like they would hold onto the ball like they do and, and try and set things up. And it felt like they were not just not seeing him, but almost intentionally avoiding him. Obviously this is a completely, this is what it felt like yeah, to me as an individual watching it. I had that thought a couple of times too. I mean, I, I don't think there was like some conspiracy right. to, to keep him from scoring or something like, like that they're threatened by him or something like that. I don't, I don't think it was anything like that, but I know what you're saying. It did kind of feel like that sometimes. Right. It, 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 and, and I think to, to take it, off of my bias and bring it to a more neutral point, the the offense that he was playing within wasn't in any way uh, built to feed him, like to to so that he could eat. Um, and tonight it just changed. Tonight, tonight Plumley played point guard more than Morris mm-hmm. did. It was interesting to see, and and Plumley was looking for him every chance that he could. And and you know I don't know if this was. Uh, something between him and Plumlee that has just clicked or that Malone wanted to push or whether it was just the heat of the moment and Plumlee saw Michael Porter was hot. And so he just wanted to keep feeding him. But um, for Michael Porter to have gotten the points that you mentioned um, in a backup unit that wasn't intentionally in any way feeding him uh, is significant. And, And then the fact that the second that, they kind of turn it on and they, they run with him that he, he opens up the heavens like he did tonight is just like all the more substance that you need to believe in those stats. Um, the, 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 the highest shooting rate, the high scoring rate in that limited amount of minutes that we have. Jump into the segments. Then we've got buy or sell and fill in the blank. We'll start off with buy or sell. All right, Jeremy buy or sell. Michael Porter Jr.'s increased playing time is directly correlated with Mike Malone's extension. So Mike Malone got extended on December 24th. Um, so we're just a little over a week into it. And uh, it just so happens that um, Michael Porter Jr. has been in double digits of minutes in every single game except for one since then. Um, I, I had it up earlier. I think this is his fifth game since the extension, but I'm selling this. Um, I think more importantly, uh, there, there's some potential. The question is, is this directly correlated? There's maybe some potential that this is indirectly correlated, but I think this is directly correlated to injuries. Um, I, I think, uh, Michael Porter Jr. was already steadily getting time, just they were junk minutes. Um, and certainly the first game after Malone gets his extension, Michael Porter Jr. plays six minutes in that game. But then the very next game, Paul Millsap is out, and all of a sudden Michael Porter Jr. gets 19 minutes. Then Millsap and Harris are out, and he starts and gets 26 minutes. And then, of course, as we noted in in the Houston game uh, where Harris was out, he got still only 11 minutes in that game. So to me, it's a lot more to do with uh, the the injuries there. But but that's this is this is the most common story for how guys 
come up and and earn their their keep is through injuries. You just have to sit and wait. It's true in any sport. Yeah, and especially um, on a loaded team like this too. Right. So so I, I think it has less to do with the 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 coach kind of dictating the the narrative of how Michael Porter Jr. will come come about and and more just that um Michael Porter Jr. has seized opportunities that that the coach was kind of forced to give him. Um that's that's taking things a little too forced is not the right word. Uh there's Wancho, there's Craig that who could have been getting those minutes, but certainly Porter got the 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 chance here and I, I think Porter earned it more than Mike Malone just getting extended in some sort of, you know, handshake with Tim Connolly that he was going to play him more or something like that. Yeah, I think this became an easy narrative uh, because of the timing issues we just discussed. Uh, You know, it seemed like we saw this uptick in minutes. Well, we did. We have seen an uptick in minutes uh, since the extension. So it's, you know, easy for one's mind to uh, to fill in that blank, uh, connect that dot and say, well, yeah, the front office must this must have been a condition of of their uh, extending Mike Malone is that he starts playing Michael Porter Jr. more or something. I, I really don't think. Uh, Connolly puts that kind of pressure on on Mike Malone. Um, I'm, I'm not in the room for these discussions, but it seems unlikely. To you need me that be. that's. Uh, I know I should be. I have a lot of things to tell them, but yeah, um, I don't know that they're real interested in hearing about it. To be honest, I just I want to see a, the, the heated conversation. Mike <laughs> Malone, Tim Connolly, going back and forth, back and forth, and then they come to the moment where they realize, and then they stop talking. And they turn to the corner of the room and there you are in your chair typing away on your laptop, leering at them. (laughs) And you look up and you just lay it down. The truth that (laughs) they've come to rely on. Yeah. It's a good thing. They don't listen to me though. Cause I would have gotten rid of Bart Barton last year. Um, And Murray. (laughs) Morris, our fearless leader. (laughs) Well, yeah, I could still be talked into getting rid of Murray. (laughs) (laughs) Me and our uh, our buddy Gordon. Yeah, um, that was that was my uh, our our big trade uh, Q and A or whatever uh, for the stiffs on. I, I assume it was the fifteenth. Um, yeah, December fifteenth. I got thrown under the bus because I tried trading Jamal Murray and everybody hated me. <laughs> it was uh, well. I mean, that does lead into our next question. Well, MPJ will average twenty points per game before Jamal Murray does. You buying or selling? So, <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm gonna buy it. Um, I've I've been waiting for Murray to to break this this twenty point per game. He's come close, and at off oftentimes he is breaking it, just not long enough to to say it for a whole season. Um, but so I'm on record, and, and I definitely still stand by this that. I don't I don't see Murray getting a heavy swing. Um so I think we're talking about two points, uh an extra two points per game. He he tends to um hum around that 18 point per game. He's been surprisingly um, consistent in his yeah, this, scoring actually for the last three years. Yeah. Um it, 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 so so I I don't see him doing it until he starts getting to the free throw line more. And, and the number that looks good to me is uh, four and a half free throws a game. If if he was just there four and a half times a game, um, then and I don't mean average. I mean 
some somehow a, a half attempt, uh, four four attempts and half of attempt, uh, then then he would get over twenty points. And so at right now, his per thirty six uh, for points per game is nineteen point four. So so I think if you take this, um, I keep thinking about next season. And, and the chance that Michael Porter Jr. might actually be our starting small forward next season. And it still comes down to a minutes thing in that situation because, you know, Murray is very likely to be a guy who is getting 35, 36 minutes a game. And even if Michael Porter Jr. is starting next season, he still might only be looking at maybe 30 minutes a game. It, it, it'll definitely depend, but um, it still kind of comes down to a minutes thing. That being said, tonight I remember thinking, if this guy's a starter, I don't see how he could not be averaging over 20 minutes a game. And, and sure enough, his, 20 his points, yeah. per 36 is 21.2 points per game. And again, right. that's based on what we talked about earlier. It's based on some really junky minutes here and there where despite guys around him who aren't used to playing with him and aren't feeding him the ball, he's still managing to get there. So you know, combine that with what we saw tonight where people actually are feeding him. And I think his per 36 tonight was like 482. So I, I don't yeah. think he's going to have a problem breaking 20 points a game the second he becomes a starter. And All right, so you, yeah. So you brought up Murray's minutes. Um, just to insert a little bit of truth into the podcast. Um, he's averaged 31, 32.6. 32.1 minutes the last three years. So he's, yeah, he's up in, you know, a little bit over, a little bit over 30. He hasn't come close to averaging 35 or 36 okay, it's felt minutes like per that. game yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this year, and also just to clarify too, this season so far, he's averaging 17 a game in 32 minutes, uh, which is down by almost a full point from last year's average of 18.2. And he was at 16.7 points per game in 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree with you. I, in order to, for him to get up to 20 points a game, you know, he's got to take more shots. He's taking about 15 a game. He took about 15 a game last year. He took about 13 a game the year before that. It's hard to imagine him taking many more shots than that in this offense uh, as, you know, a decidedly second option on offense and w- with just the amount of talent that they have. And now with the emergence of, of Michael Porter Jr., who's going to be a guy that's going to demand a lot of shots. Um, I, I, th- I think it probably what will prevent him from scoring 20 points a game is Michael Porter Jr., and the shots that he's going to take from Murray in the future. I don't I don't think Murray has a shot at averaging 20 points a game this year. So we're really talking about will Michael Porter Jr. next year when he's starting average 20 points a game, right. you know, or who like who will him or Murray average more. And yeah, I just the, the ease that he scores with. You know, I think for Murray when he, when Murray scores 22 or 23, it feels like a big game for Murray. Like tonight he had 22, he had a huge first half to get there sort of disappeared in the second half. But, you know, overall, it felt like a good game for Murray, like a big game for Murray. Michael Porter's 25 was noisy, but it felt easy. Right. Watching it. Like, you got the impression he could score 50, uh, you know, if he had had 
40 minutes in this game or something like, or if, you know, or two years from now. Um, and obviously Murray's had those outbursts too, but it, he's just not, I don't know. He hasn't proven to me yet that he is a consistent enough, aggressive offensive player to score right. 20 a game. I just, I don't, I don't know that we're ever going to see him score 20 points per game. And then that that's just compounded by, uh, you know, an offensive juggernaut like MPJ coming into the starting lineup at some point. And it's actually kind of felt to me like, so, so, so the types of shots that Murray takes are always something that's very, very high on my radar to be paying close attention to. And it's felt like the past couple of weeks, he has been more aggressive trying to go to the basket and actually shoot at it. Um, as opposed to just famously getting to the basket and then running, uh, passing the ball out or, or something like that. Um, fade away but, jump shot or something. Right, right, right. But unfortunately, the past couple of weeks that he has been more aggressive going to the basket has been some of his poor shooting of the season. He's been in a, a, a slump. So, and, and then tonight he gets a, a good 22 points and what's he doing? He's taking all these step back 13 foot shots. Um, it, so it, you know, you start to get to a point where you kind of realize who you are and you set into your groove and you're saying this kind of works, you know, this works well enough. And, we really might be seeing the Jamal Murray start to settle into place here um, over this season where he just really does turn into that step back 13 foot shooter and, and he's good at it. It's just, it's not, it's not what breaks you into the top tier of, of scores in the NBA. It, it makes you useful. It makes you a role player, but it doesn't make you a, an elite shooter by any means or elite scorer, I should say. So, yeah. And at some point we might have to face the fact that Jamal Murray maybe isn't an elite three point shooter. Like he seems like he should be, but in 2017, 2018, he averaged 37.8% from three. That's good. It's not great. Um, he was 36 and a half percent last year. And he's at 33% this year. Oh, he's he's going steadily down in three-point percentage. And he's actually shooting a little bit. Uh, he's, ta- he's taking a, a, a little bit less three-pointers this year than he was the last two years where he was at five and a half. He's at just over five uh, yeah, right now. I, so I, I'm, I'm holding off on, on this year. I mean, if you would have uh, um, tested or, or sampled his stats – 30 games in, in those previous two years that you just mentioned, he shot 37% at, he definitely would not have been at 37% at this point in the season. You know, we know at this yeah, point, he, in his young career, starter. right, exactly. Right. And as much as he started this year off great, he hasn't started this year off great at the three point line. So that's, so I'm, I'm completely cool with, with weighing the entire season to, to really start taking into account where he might be at with his three point shot. Um, and just same thing with Jokic. Jokic was was off uh, for quite a while, and oh, he's yeah. been Whoa. he's been scorching the nets um, with the three ball lately. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna hold off on that. But torching but, the nets, you made me get the image of a uh, NBA Jam. Uh, and, the, yep, the flaming net. Yep. Well, we just watched it. We just watched it, so it's fresh in the fresh <laughs> in the memory. But uh, yeah, again, just to sum it all up, I, I don't see Murray's ways changing if anything i see them solidifying into that 18 points per game guy so 
whereas he's he's slowing down or, or solidifying. Michael Porter Jr. is is hotter than ever. So heating up. Yep. yep. So I'm I'm buying it. Michael Porter Jr. will average 20 points per game before Jamal Murray does. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, next one that we have here, buy or sell. MPJ should get 25 minutes per game moving forward. I'm buying it. You got to keep him in. You got it. You got to build on the momentum that he has right now on the confidence that he's building the, and his defense will be there. It's it'll, he will come around on defense. If he gets the time, I, I don't, I don't think it's an issue of, of effort so much. I feel like he gets confused and lost on defense right now. Um, but the main reason I, I I don't think it's an effort issue is because he he shows such good effort on rebounding. Um, so I think you know there's still there's still improvement to be be made there, and he's not by nature a tenacious defender. It doesn't seem like at this point in his career. Um, but that will come, and the offense is so important for this team. I think the the outside shooting in particular, and the the match that he could be with Jokic <laughs> as a six ten guy who can hit 50% of his threes, um, probably not going to average 50%, but, uh, you know, he very likely is going to be an over 40% three-point shooter, uh, I would imagine, going forward. He has that kind of ability. So I, I think you have to get him the minutes right now. And I don't know if that means starting um, him. I, that gets a little tricky because Barton's been so good. Uh, you know, there could be some sort of injury issues that linger if Millsap is still banged up. And or just needs to take some games off here or there. Maybe MPJ gets in the starting lineup. Uh, but I think you have to find a way to get him around 25 minutes, uh, which is let's see what he had tonight. It's 23 minutes. He had 26 minutes in the win against Sacramento. Uh, he was at 19 minutes in the win against Memphis. Um, that game is never really in doubt. So. I, I think that could be a good sweet spot for him right now um, as a you know major major bench player with some time with the starters. Yeah, the, the thing is, we're we are in the middle of already a historic season for the Nuggets. As much as it feels like there's all sorts of room for criticism here and people with slow starts or or um, not the attitude that we want to see have, they're still accomplishing historical things for this team. And, and so I'm going to sell this. Um, I'm going to sell it because of that 25 minute number that 25 is just, um, just too high for me. Okay, for, yeah. What's the number? Where, where would you like to see? Um, so I, I'm, 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 I want to see it a little above 15, uh, anywhere between 15 and 20. Um, there's, there's only a few guys, 
I'm not about to look it up, but I would guess there's somewhere between 10 and 15 bench guys that, that average over 25 minutes a game. Um, and you know, that's always, I remember looking up for researching for, uh, our predictions for six man of the year. And, you know, for the past 10 years, I think nine of them have all averaged over 25 minutes a game. So there's something to be said about that. And there's certainly a case to be made that maybe Michael Porter Jr. Is exactly one of those guys who should be in that small section of, of bench players that average 25 or more. But um, just for some perspective. Yeah, just to give us a little context, uh, Jeremy Grant, for example, averages about 23 and a half minutes yeah, per game right now. Exactly. Um, Morris is at about 18, Plumley 17, Beasley 16. And keep in mind, these are games that they actually play in. Um, then it falls down to a tier of 12 minutes. Wancho averages 12. Craig averages 12. Michael Porter Jr. averages 12. Um, and again, that's in that's in games that they play in. So obviously, um, Craig, Wancho, and MPJ haven't suited up for all these games. And um, the totality of their minutes don't reflect that. But when they do play, they're averaging about that much. Um, but even in totality, they are all about at the same area. I looked that up too. The only big difference is that Jeremy Grant, I didn't realize this, is has actually played 40 more minutes this season than, than Millsap has. Um, yeah, Millsap has had some some injuries, um, some some nagging injuries, nothing serious, obviously. But, um, but I, you know, so Grant is a guy that I could – I think Michael Porter Jr. could – we saw him play a little bit of power forward. Um, I, I think he could easily grab a couple of those minutes. Um, we don't see – the bench accomplishing a whole lot with Grant's 24. That's by no means the pride of the Nuggets is the bench <laughs> unit that's being led by Grant. So, you know, grabbing two minutes there and, and then just really cutting out Wancho and Craig is going to do wonders for for Michael Porter Jr.'s minutes. Um, his floor should, should be around that 12 to 15 minute uh, mark just by not really playing Wancho or Craig. Um I, so then it gets complicated when Tim Conley gets involved and he's trying to move players and make deals and show that guys can play. And so it right. just it just gets a little complicated around this time because he wants to showcase those guys. But then one other thing I want to mention is uh, tonight when I was just falling madly in love with Mike, uh, Mike Porter. Um, Mikey. <laughs> Mikey P. <laughs> Uh, I, I had, I had the moment hit me. It was when he, he made his most egregious, uh, defensive rotation, missed his most egregious defensive rotation where it hit me just my reaction to, to seeing such a terrible rotation was, I don't care. He's on fire right now on offense. I don't care. And then my next thought was, that was the right reaction to have. (laughs) Well, my next thought was, oh my God, what if. What if Mike Porter has the exact same thought? That's a very, very dangerous path for this guy to go down. And so yeah, I, wa- I don't think Malone's going to allow him to have those. Thoughts well, exactly, exactly. And that's why I'm a lot more flexible. And that's why I instantly felt like I, I take away all my criticisms for the way that Malone has, has coached things because as long as Malone is um, a respected disciplinarian to Mike Porter, then, then there's room there for Porter to improve for him to, to learn. As long as they're working with him, you learn a little bit 
you know, in the game, but, um, what's much, much better is when, yes, you do play, but then afterwards they work with you specifically to show you where you did this and where you did that. You know, when you match up against the guy, you can kind of tell what, what that guy's going to do and learn that other guy, you know, Oh, okay. He goes right a little bit and then he does a crossover. So next time I see him going right a little bit, I should be prepared for that. But it's a lot different when you're talking about rotations. Oh, this guy goes over there and that guy goes over there. And it can be a lot for a guy to kind of get down and get in the routine of. And that's where it really helps to sit down with somebody else and go through and look at film and see, okay, there, when that guy rotated over there, you should have been ready to do this and see when you did that. That's a really strong way to learn. And so as long as Porter appreciates defense and appreciates his coach and appreciates the discipline that keeps coming. Um, that's what's so important here. So if yeah, Malone the team really yanks- seems to be on his, his side too, like there was clips of the, after the game tonight, um, you know, he got a Gatorade shower mm-hmm. and the team was celebrating and cheering him on and chanting his name and stuff. And, right. you know, it seemed like they've really, they've really embraced him. I think if he, if he had a like stinky attitude on defense and wasn't ever trying in practice and, you know, had the diva mentality, the personality that we've, we've kind of, heard things about you know over the last year or whatever i don't think the team would be rallying around him quite like that you know? well m- um, my point bringing why i'm bringing it up for this question is a guy who's getting 25 minutes or more a game is um is a guy who's get, been given you know uh uh, uh whatever you want to call it license to go do whatever they want um, that's a guy who's not being disciplined license to kill by right exactly mm-hmm. yeah seriously <laughs> Um, that's a guy who's not being disciplined by the coach in any way, um, through minute restrictions, I should say. So Malone still needs to have that, that collar, that leash on him and to be able to pull him back and reel him in, um, to, to try and be able to teach him and to try and be able to make it still feel like he's earning things. So, so again, that's, that's where. I'm just backing off of that 25 minute number. Um, That's just, there's a whole lot of trust and change going on with awarding MPJ with that at this point. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Fill in the blank. All right, Jeremy, let's play fill in the blank. MPJ's emergence means the Nuggets could trade blank. MPJ's emergence means the Nuggets could trade MPJ. It's, oh, I hate you. <laughs> I knew I, we have to entertain this notion. We no, have we to. do not have to we're entertain ter- that notion. We're terrible. Um, What's the phrase? Backseat coaches or backseat <laughs> team managers, presidents, whatever you want to call them. 
if we don't entertain this notion. Michael Porter Jr. might be at the pinnacle of his trade value right now. And we've heard reports that he's off the table. Um, we've heard this from, I've heard this from both um, Zach Lowe and from uh, Bill Simmons. Yeah, that, that might be his name. I can't remember. Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Bill Simmons. Okay. Um, and, and so when, when that's out there, you know, that there's definitely some legs to that. Now that could very well be Connolly playing things a certain way, but the point being, there's a lot of value, I think, in Michael Porter Jr. at this moment. And certainly you have to entertain the future of your team and any possible way to, to build out of it. Now, I, I appreciate that's a cheese ball answer. So I'm going to give you another, another one is that basically anybody could be traded at this point. Um, that's not Jokic. Not in Jokic. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, probably Murray. Like, I, I do believe when, when they say he's off the table, um, they have acted in every way, shape, and form along that. And, and so, yeah, it, it, so nothing changes is, is what the fill in the blank is to this to me. His emergence means nothing to the way the Nuggets could trade at this point. Um, cause it was all the same to begin with. Anyway, we, we still have the same mountain to climb in LeBron, Kawhi and uh, Paul George. And it's, it's, it's still a mountain that I, I'm, st I still don't think. Michael Porter Jr. is the guy to climb it, although I think he's the best fitted for it on our team, but certainly not in the NBA that we could trade for. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, let me throw out a different alternative. I think his emergence means the Nuggets could trade. Well, for sure they could trade Wancho. Uh, and that's that's been the case for uh, quite a while. I don't think Wancho now figures into any kind of long-term plan that they have and he's a free agent this year so it really doesn't make sense to hang on to him if there's some sort of you know way to package him uh the question is yeah who would you who would you package him for or, or with I mean um I'm thinking Gary Harris is starting to be very tradable the reason is you trade Harris and you slide Barton to sh to shooting guard, where Barton's been playing great defense too this year. So you don't really you don't really lose anything on defense at the guard position, and you can start Michael Porter Jr. at small forward. Now, granted, <laughs> you're giving up some defense there because Barton's been playing good defense uh, by doing. You mean that. Harris? Or Harris? Yeah, I'm sorry. Harris has been. Uh, no, no, no. Barton's been playing good defense at small forward. Right. But um, if generally. you trade Harris. But he's undersized. Yeah. So I'm saying if you replace if you replace Harris with Michael Porter Jr. Or if you if you replace right. Barton with Michael Porter Jr., well, mm -hmm. uh, you're giving up defense. But Barton's gotcha. also undersized. So you're adding you're a definitely adding length, uh, you know, possibly um, a better matchup against some of the tough guys in the Western conference who you're going to see some of these huge guards and small forwards in the backcourt. Um, and you, you set the kid free. You, you, you let him <laughs> loose and he can do his thing. Yeah. Uh, you, and we see, because this is really to me about, about the future. Uh, I think at, at we're kind of getting to the point now where we sort of know, like the talent we have is, is pretty well defined. I think it's starting to, 
to be so. And we kind of know like who the best players on this team are. And I feel like those are the guys that need to be on the court the most, even if that means you might not make a championship run this year, which, you know, I think is increasingly unlikely the way the Lakers have played uh, with, you know, how tough the Clippers are going to be in the playoffs. It's going to be tough for the Nuggets to break through in that crowd. And then if you, if they were able to get to the finals, the Eastern conference is loaded. The bucks look like a juggernaut. So I, I I like to think that the Nuggets have a chance at a championship this year. I still think they're a superstar sort of player away. And I think Michael Porter jr. Very likely could be that player, but I think he's probably a year away from being able to, to be that guy in a championship run at least a year away. Um, but he's not going to get there unless you get him time. So that's the that's a possibility I'm seeing. And I don't know, you know, who you could package like Wancho, Gary Harris. I don't know. You could throw in, um, you know, Beasley, a draft pick. Like, who does that get you? You know, can you could you get like Drew Holiday? And that kind of complicates the lineup that I was just d- describing, though. Um, I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure if there's a package there that's even worth worth looking at. But I mean, I definitely think that MPJ's emergence does give the Nuggets some options now that are are plausible. Yeah, yeah I think you first dropped that idea about um, moving Harris and sliding Barton to the two um, like I want to say three weeks ago. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and ever since you brought that up. Like it has affected me. Like I have not been able to look at trade trade scenarios the same way that I used to. Um, like seeing Requiem for a Dream. Like you can't you can't ever change oh. after that. You can't you can't ever be the same. Like I, no. I can't I can't. Anytime can't that I try it. and defend Harris and his role in this team, it it just yeah I can't unsee Slane Barton to the two. Um, is honestly my issue with Barton largely has been that he's a lot of the problems with the guards generally on this team as my last two years, the last two years for me has been that they're out of position that you had a bunch of guards and you were trying to fill in like forward positions right with some of these guards. And I think maybe it's time to just unload a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think the whole nuggets world would have to agree with you on that. Um, I, I mean, I don't know about that. It's hard because Gary Harris is he's kind of the OG of this current squad. Right. Too. And but so, so it's Barton. hard to say like, we, yeah, and so is Barton. It's hard to say like the impact that that might have on the locker room. Um, and, and his defense has been really valuable this year. He's just he's kind of proving to be a fairly limited offensive player unless there's something missing still that, that could I'll, come back. I'll give you one case study. The most recent and the most blatant is Toronto Raptors trading DeMar DeRozan. That that was a guy who was an OG and personality-wise, heart and soul of the team, um, completely shattered the team when when it happened. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we know how that story goes. The counter argument to that is that they got Kawhi Leonard in exchange. So... Uh, well, if there's a if Kawhi Leonard's willing to, to come, they got him for one season, which means that they yeah. got a championship. They didn't get a player. They didn't get longevity. They didn't get franchise or anything. All they bought was was a championship. They literally sold their most beloved player next to Kyle Lowry, 
uh, for one championship. And in all honesty, I think the Nuggets are in a position where something like that could. So, also what if happen. you could do like Wancho, Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, a draft pick for Chris Paul? No, no. Or for I'm trying to think about that, a guy who. We can really get lost in some trade <laughs> conversation here. To me, the only the only thing on the table, the only Kazakh dune that we have to climb, if I may, is is the small forwards of the West, and that's the yeah, only if, trade. If you're going to start MPJ at small forward, mm. he's going to be the one guarding LeBron James, which I, is that is kind of a scary thought. Yeah, no, you can't do that. So, so you'd be get that's that's. That's the most organic way of us earning a championship this season. Um, but certainly if we're talking about manipulating rosters, then our small, starting small forward isn't going to be MPJ. Um, we'd be moving Harris, you know, and, and whatever package for a small forward that can, that can help us climb that mountain. But... Anyway, again, we could get lost in that forever. Um, it's so fun. Next, but I, yeah, I think more more likely is that the Nuggets are not going to make any kind of trade at all. I think they're going to stand pack with what they have, and and, and we do have that chance. Like, if that happens, then then maybe Michael Porter Jr. winds up our starter by the playoffs. And like we've both talked about, that is actually our best case scenario in house of matching up with the Lakers and the Clippers. So who, there's a chance there. Ooh. There's a chance. Next question. Fill in the blank. Blank is a, a legitimate reason to still be worried about Michael Porter Jr. Right, the only legitimate reason I still have to be worried is his back. Um, we haven't heard anything about his back or his health at all this season. So I'm I'm assuming that things are looking good. Uh, he's been, you know, it doesn't seem like he's on any kind of minutes restriction. He played, you know, 23 tonight. Uh, I, I don't, I've never heard anything that says he couldn't play 30 or something if need be. Uh, but that also means that we don't know if his back will hold up under that kind of minute load. Uh, we get right. to the playoffs. If he's playing 30 minutes a game for some reason because of injuries or something, that's kind of my one my my still my big concern about him is that he's you know he's on fire he's tearing up the league and then we hear he's having back spasms right. he's going to miss the next few games and then it turns into a month and then right. we're like a uh which is a very real possibility for him so that's the thing that still kind of keeps me up at night if I'm already up and can't sleep yeah i was just hearing about how um zion there they're teaching him to rewalk and to re rerun. Uh, oh, and that's part disaster. of what's, what's extending his, his time out. Um, that's which is just a, a crazy thought. That's such a crazy thought. Yeah. Um, and I wonder it sounded, um, reminiscent. I, I couldn't remember whether they, they went into that with, uh, Michael Porter, but, um, it's just it, it. I'm almost kind of worried that I haven't heard any problems with his back yet. Like, how mm-hmm. how has he done so well? Where tonight he hits the floor several times. I remember one time specifically when he went for uh, a steal and wound up just like rolling several times into the cameraman. 
And I, I was like, oh no, there it is. That's it. Game over, broken back. And he pops right back <laughs> up. Like he's, you know, a yeah. sprite little guy who's not, you know, seven foot 10 and 40 pounds. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Uh, but so, yeah, it, I will say this, the, the thing to worry about with his back is not contact really so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really, uh, an issue of like when you get a fusion in your back, um, it causes the rest of your vertebrae, like it locks down one of your vertebrae and then the surrounding vertebrae can't move the way that they would normally move. So then generally what happens is those problems now, they kind of have a ripple effect up your back. Uh, so like the next vertebrae up at some point needs to be fused and on it goes. But, you know, sometimes it can take 10, 12 years before that happens, or you can have disc problems or things like that just because your back's not moving the way it should. It's locked in a, right. a certain spot. So that's, I wouldn't worry so much about, yeah, contact with him or things like that. I don't think that is something that would cause him any problems if I understand his injury correctly. Right. It's not like he but, hits the ground or something and he has a broken back. No, it's, right. Yeah, it's it's more like your back like spasm that. thing that you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. It's more like, yeah, it's more like going to be a degenerative thing over time, I think, mm-hmm. or, or because of, right, like too many minutes that he's playing or too much stress on the back. Like, I, we just don't know how his back will respond, I don't think, to, um, increased workload Um, right and hopefully it'll respond well but so my fill in the blank is ego is a legitimate reason to still be worried about mpj your ego or his ego is (laughs) (laughs) i know i said your ego or his oh (laughs) (laughs) um my ego has not stopped any anything um no reason to be worried there but <laughs> now i'm telling you that moment i had watching this game where i felt like i don't care that he's not rotating it it was the scariest scariest moment to think that that mike might be doing the same thing so i think there's still a concern this is very much like the formative years uh this season next season um it's just it's it's a, a very tender time for him to be developing the the way that he feels he needs to approach uh, working together as a team, um, working on his craft and caring about defense. So uh, as long as his ego stays out of that, even if he's averaging uh, 20 points a game by the end of the season, maybe, he, maybe he's in, maybe he's a starter, maybe he's averaging 20 points a game, as long as his ego doesn't get in the way and he still fights for uh the rounded out basketball player that we need. Oh, you called him tender. He's just a baby. He's a baby. He's a Yoda baby. (laughs) All right, let's wrap it up. The only thing more exciting than MPJ's emergence is blank. Um, bird call. Have you heard about this? No. In Denver. Yeah. It's a chicken place. That got opened by the Park Burger people. Oh, I did hear about this. I just didn't know that's what it was called. It's unbelievable. These sandwiches, we were talking about Popeyes. These sandwiches look unbelievable. Wait a second. Is this the place that's like across from Illegal Pete's on on like Evans? I have no idea. I I saw they have three locations already. I've completely missed the boat on them at this point. They already have three locations, so... I don't know. They probably are there. I don't know. There's a definitely a chicken like 
kind of quasi fast food looking place. Is that? It's very cool looking. Yeah. It's also like not your McDonald's fast food chain looking kind of restaurant. (laughs) Right. I imagine. So, um, yeah, it's probably, that's probably it. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. I think there's one pretty close to where I'm at in Inglewood. So you got to go on and hit that up. All right. The only thing more exciting for me is the apparent existence of an Abrams cut of rise of Skywalker. Uh, (laughs) Apparently um, Disney really meddled pretty severely with the last installment. Uh, Did you see it yet, Jeremy? No, don't spoil anything. I won't spoil it. Um, What I will tell you is that there's a lot about it that I really liked a lot. Um, I, do feel like it felt rushed. And I, I was kind of worried when I found out that the running time was two hours and 20 minutes for the end of a nine movie or uh, a saga where the last movie really left things totally open-ended. I was a little concerned about how uh-huh. they were going to fit in that much story into just over two hours. And it, it does feel very rushed. Um, and it turns out that there might be a, a reason for that it could be that Disney got, super involved and way too heavy handed. Uh, Did they have a lot of reshoots it up, so. on this one? I feel like I heard that. There were a fair amount, but it, I'm, there's a lot of rumors coming out right now that it, it sounds like the whole production just was kind of a mess. Like hmm. they had a lot less time to do this one than they had on the last two. Um, and JJ came back. Uh, this is what the rumors are being promised total creative control. And then as things went along, uh, that control got reduced significantly. Uh, there were major plot points. I won't spoil anything, but there were major, uh, plot points that he wanted to include that he wasn't allowed to. And Hmm. supposedly, um, and I don't know. It just, the, the film does feel very half baked when you see it, it, it really, it really cooks along. It moves super quickly, which on a first viewing is a, is a lot of fun. Uh, it's also kind of overwhelming. I actually, I actually liked it more the second time I saw it. it things kind of slowed down for me and I appreciated some of the nuances of the film more as I've thought more about it over uh, the last week or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm starting to have some more issues with it and I need to see it a, a third time to kind of cement, I think where I'm at on it. But uh, anyway, there, there, there's supposedly a three hour cut of the movie that would add 40 minutes to the movie that that's crazy. Uh, JJ had in October and it got chopped up and diced. Um, that's the rumor on Reddit at the moment from, a you know, an inside source, uh, who has a bunch of specific things that were cut. So I would, I don't think know, that we'll Disney... see. um, but it would be cool to get a director's cut of that movie at some point. Uh, I, I think Disney would have that on such lockdown. I think, yeah. I don't know, you know, maybe 10 years from now as some sort of like special edition or yeah. something. But it, it's it's hard to imagine that something like that might just leak out of nowhere, you know, six months from now or something like that. I think Disney would would go to town on J.J. Abrams. Yeah, it, it can't be a leak. It's going to have to be a director's cut thing. And like, yeah, like you said, it, I think it would have to be something where like, I don't know, maybe after we're into a new Star Wars trilogy or, you know, like a fair amount of the dust has settled. Um, yeah. And people kind of look back at this and go, hey, it might be fun to see what other version of the film was was out there. Um, yeah. For but, what it's worth, I, I, real quick, I, I went back and watched yeah. the last one to prepare for, for this uh-huh. one. And I liked it more. Um, yeah. 
I, I didn't hate it the first time, but um, I, I did like it. I didn't like there were some things I kind of felt I had to peel out of the way to to see the goodness behind it. And it took a little bit for the film to get rolling for me, but um, I did enjoy it. So it does some really good character work. I think that's what I really appreciate in that story. There's like five character arcs that are kind of fully realized in that story. And a lot of times in, you know, a crazy action movie sci-fi epic right you don't get really fully formed characters that have growth <laughs> and change right. and you don't deal with any kind of deep themes and that's what i really appreciated about it i think the people that hated it they focused a lot on some of the the plot issues um that they found to be silly or contrived but i think for me i always kind of watched it focusing on the characters and so that's why i enjoyed it it's kind of like the um the was it uh batman versus superman i actually kind of liked that one and it's because I felt there was, it was slower and there was significant like character development that I really enjoyed. And to me, it didn't feel like there was just fight after fight after fight, which is just kind of boring to me. So I, I can see where you're coming There's from, where if you're, if you're able to center on character development, you're able to gain something more from a movie. Yeah, there, there is an interesting thing that's really kind of developed the last year or two. I mean, or maybe I've just been more keen to it. I don't know, but there seems to be this real growing divide between what audience general audiences want from movies and what critics want. Um, hmm. Like so many of the movies released this year have a wildly different like critic score on Rotten Tomatoes than an, an audience score. Mm -hmm. like wildly different so like last uh return of uh, rise of skywalker for example has like a 55 percent on rotten tomatoes right now it's got like a close to 90 percent audience score um mm. and uncut gems which uh you and i <laughs> had experience in telluride has a uh like 93 percent critic score right now and the audience score is like 50 percent it's oh, got a, wow. a rotten score from the audience yeah and that's kind of what we were guessing the, if, yeah, and if you read through the uh, the comments, it's really funny because they're they're not just like bad reviews. They're like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Kind of reviews, like like literally, my whole group walked out of the movie, or like you know stuff like that. Uh -huh. And then you 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 read critics' reviews, and they cannot stop gushing about how spectacular this movie is. And it, it's just this this kind of growing divide between the two um, is interesting to me. I have no idea why that's the case i'm just throwing it out there something i'm observing and kind of want to look into more awesome well all right <laughs> everybody don't go watch Michael Porter Jr. and can't wait for Uncut Gems to enter the starting lineup for the Nuggets. I don't know. My mind is so confused at this point. Awesome. <laughs> Best episode ever. <laughs> <laughs>